She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. In search of. Inca treasure. This episode was written by Robert Long. Ooh, no initial this time. He's taking out his initials so we don't misspeak. He's like, I'm sorry, Tori. He's like, you know what? That was confusing. We're just going (laughs) to leave it out. It's directed by H.G. Stark and produced by Deborah Bloom and Antonio Hollick. It's edited by Michael Ornstein with assistance by Jack Dunsmore and John Schwartz. The series is hosted and narrated by Leonard Nimoy. And this episode originally aired on Thursday, August 11th, 1977. In search of Thursday. Yeah, I love how it just jumps around. Like, there is no consistency with how they put these out. It's like there's like three in a row and then they're just all Well, they just basically like, here, you know, we're syndicating them. You guys decide what to do. It's like, you know. So, yeah, I guess it's wherever they fit yeah. in the schedule. It's like hawking like VHS copies from your trunk or something, you know, in an alley. <laughs> You're like, here you go, dude. You want some episodes? There you go. Have a time. So, it is believed that somewhere in the high mountains of Peru lies wealth beyond imagining gold, the lost treasure of a great empire. The empire was called Tawatinsia, kingdom of the Inca. White men called it something else. For them, it was El Dorado. They found that the fabled cities of gold were real, but if the mountains could speak, they would tell a sad story. A story of lust and greed and treachery. But men have not learned to read the wind or the cry of the great birds that soar over lost kingdoms. The secret is safe yet for a while, which honestly, like that sounds like good. Like, oh, like, you know, if the mountains could speak, they would tell us that story. And, you know, men haven't learned how to read the cry of the wind or the great birds, which sounds like, oh, if only we knew. And then he's like, so the secret's safe for a while. Like, he's glad. Like, what are you writing? I don't know. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> interrupting the narration. That's OK. <laughs> the green world between the peaks has not given up the treasure of the Incas. Men still search, some out of love for the past, some out of love for gold. Now, the in search of cameras come closer than men have ever been before the heart of the mystery of the great Inca treasure. Whoa. What do we have, Tori? <laughs> and then we get the opening credits with the music. Do, do, do. I can't, that's not the right sound, but you know. <laughs> I was open. I was really, really open, but okay. (laughs) The wealth of a once great nation has been just out of reach for 400 years. It has inspired the search for Inca treasure. Do, 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 I believe is how that's supposed to go. And then we get the in search of Inca treasure. And this, like the Amelia Earhart episode, we got the false start. So this little part here with the wealth of one's great nation. And then we get the title card actually shows up at the beginning. And then we get the other narration. I skipped it and was telling you about it now. Cause obviously it's a mistake. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
So my hot take is just that they're really hyping up those in search of cameras and the idea that they have like this new evidence all the time. I mean, in this case, they do actually travel with an exposition party that does find something, but it's just funny because I don't know. They're just very like, we've got our cameras there. We're finding new stuff. And, you know, Mm -hmm. that's their thing now. They're very big on it. They are. Which I guess if they're paying to send their cameras around the world, I guess I would be too. I'd be like, well, (laughs) we spent all this money to get this footage. Let's hype it up. Yeah, they do. Of course, we get the theory and conjecture bit. So, yeah. Yeah. So we open and we see archaeologists digging pottery out of the ground. And we're told that for some... These pottery fragments and evidence of the Western Hemisphere's first great civilization is why they're there. But for others, it's not enough. They see gold. And then Nimoy tells us that the jungles and mountains of Peru have been an irresistible lure for centuries. The romance of a faraway place, the feeling of being in a Shangri-La. But there's another ingredient, the promise of treasure beyond imagining. (laughs) See, you think of Indiana Jones, I think of the Emperor's New Groove. (laughs) I would say, or El Dorado, because there's that cartoon also. The Road to El Dorado, which I've never seen. I've just seen the meme on Tumblr about like both, both, both is good. I really need to watch that movie someday. Yep. Either of the... Uh, is is Jeff Goldblum in that one? Also, I don't know. Is he a voice in that one? In the Road to El Dorado? I don't know. I'm trying to remember. No, I don't think he is. I think it's like like one of the Wilsons, Owen Wilson, I think, and then someone else. Okay, yeah. that would yeah. make sense. Yeah, I have not yeah. seen that movie. I don't know why, because I've seen most animated movies. I'm getting it confused because it's the same. I think it's the same animation studio who did the, like... What's like the Bible one where like they got across the Red Sea that just oh, the voice in? Which one is that? Um, I don't remember. I know what you're talking about. Some, mm, I don't know. What that's it's the called. one where everyone really thought he was going to get the hat trick because when they're crossing the parted Red Sea, everyone was expecting him to say "faster must go faster," and he doesn't. Oh, it. gotcha. Okay, okay. Because he does it in Jurassic Park, does it in Independence Day, mm-hmm. and then. Did not do it in that one. Oh, like, bummer. Ah, oh, yeah. So, yep. Yeah. I mean, you could probably dub that, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we also need to talk about Leonard Nimoy's jacket. <laughs> I know you messaged me about this jacket. You're like, what is he wearing? And I was yes. like, I don't know. He is wearing very a purple. very purple leather blazer. Yes. <laughs> very purple. Yeah. It's very rock And as I told Tori, like, you can be the Joker or you can be Prince. But if you're not either of those two, you it doesn't work. You can't do it. it work. <laughs> and I so. said, if you wore like a frilly shirt, it could work. And I said, that's Prince. And you were I, like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, it is Prince. But like, I think Nimoy could pull it off if he had yeah. the right shirt going with. It. The problem is he has this really stiff collared shirt that makes the leather look like stand out even more. And so it just looks really weird. I was going to save this for the end because at the end he's back in studio when we get the end narration and we only get him like from the chest up. We do get like, we get like an establishing like headshot and then we get like the full body shot here in the opening where you get to see the whole thing. And then we do like some headshots some more. And at the end we get like the medium shot sort of thing where you see most of the jacket, but he's kind of got that. Like you can tell, like he's got one of his hips, like, uh, like stuck out and he's kind of like 
is doing that pose. And I'm uh-huh. like, dude, he's going to the club or something after this recording. <laughs> he's like heading out. He's going to go party. He's so. feeling good. He got wardrobe <laughs> put on and he's like, man, I'm looking awesome. Yeah, I'm I taking this one with me. can't wait till Bill Shatner yeah. sees this. Yeah, I'm taking this one. This isn't going back in the closet. No, I'm taking this with me. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Or maybe they're all or his clothes. I have no idea. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't know either. I'm assuming there's a wardrobe department. I could be totally wrong. The show does not have a big budget. So <laughs> Yeah, those are probably his clothes. But, yeah. <laughs> So we learned that the great city of the Incas was Cusco, a city that's still thriving today. The people of Cusco are the descendants of a race who conceived, built, and then lost one of the most remarkable empires to a handful of Spaniards. Yet relatively little is known of those people. Here in the beginning, Nimue keeps saying Cusco instead of Cusco. And at one point, I think in the second time, pretty damn sure he says Crisco. It sounds like Crisco. I went back and listened to it several times. But he is saying like Crusco. He's adding like an R in there. Like Crusco. And then it sounds like Crisco at one point. So, yeah. The ruined Inca fortress of Saxawaman is proof of their genius. The massive masonry was perfectly tooled, built to last forever. Artists decorate the places. The Inca excelled at engineering, irrigation, and crop management. And listeners need to know, that was one take, Tori, saying that. There is no edit here. She nailed it. Nope. So I did nail boom. it. And I even put the pronunciation of Saxawaman there for myself, so I would not mess it up. Yeah. Well, as we know, that almost never helps us, because then we forget what they mean. <laughs> still, so. I still stumble over <laughs> I'm like, I will know what this means in a week, and I never do. It's yeah, but no, Tori nailed it. So Yay. At the National Museum of Anthropology and Archaeology of Lima, Dr. Edward Vestalian and his colleagues inspect an Incan mummy. We see them unwrapping the mummy, and we're told that much of what is known from the Incan civilization comes from studying graves. Which is true of a lot of ancient civilizations, honestly. You learn a lot about dead people by studying graves. Yeah. I think that's how that works. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. As they unwrap the mummy, they find a shell and a bone knife. Nimoy tells us there's a thriving black market for Inca gold and artifacts. This man, the mummy, might have lived in glorious times, witnessed an empire created in less than 30 years, or witnessed the arrival in 1527 of a Spaniard named Francisco Pizarro. 180 Spanish soldiers drove the Incas out of the city and into the forests. Pizarro was a bad dude. Yeah, he does not sound like a good guy at all. No. I think even like his own people like knew he was a bad dude. Honestly, yeah. If I remember correctly. There are so many of those. I know definitely the, what's his name? The dickwad who did the Aztec stuff. Oh, um, shit. He was an awful dude. Everyone knew he was like a, uh-huh. a homicidal maniac. I remember um, my first college class at um, Cortez. San Francisco. Cortez, yes. My first yep. college class at San Francisco State just opened with Cortez's invasion of the Aztecs. And I just, I have a really vivid yeah. memory of sitting in a classroom that no. day just learning about that. So anyway, I don't know why yeah. I'm talking about that. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. His own people were like, this dude is a psycho. So, yeah. 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 Kieran Bingham was an explorer and archaeologist. According to this show, Wikipedia actually says he wasn't a formal archaeologist. Yeah, he was the professor of South American history at Yale, 
which is why he knew about the stuff. Although he looks like a smug dick, which is what you would think probably like an early 1900s professor at Yale would be. He was also a lieutenant governor and governor of Connecticut. He was only governor for one day, though, because he ran for governor. And then he was also elected to the Senate. And so he did the governor for one day and then resigned and went into the Senate as a Republican from 1925 until 1933. He was censured while he was in the Senate. Huh. Yeah, so the he looks like kind of a smug dick. I think he was. Actually, he was censured, and they were like, okay, because he was doing some shady stuff. And they were like, okay, well, like, you shouldn't be doing that, but we're not going to do any, like, formal, like, reprimand for you. And <laughs> then that wasn't good enough. He complained that it was a – so even back then, he was like, I think this is a partisan show, whatever thing. So oh then they were like, God. okay, you're going to be like that? We are going to do a formal – and they censured him. So he just kept his mouth shut. But he had to be all like uppity, and so. Yep. I wish I wish there were consequences for people still in the government. It doesn't seem like there are. Yeah, to to hear to have read that story, knowing all the stuff that happens now, was like, God damn. So like it was happening then. It just wasn't like as like maybe as insane and out in the open. Yeah. Yeah. So Bingham believed that the Inca must have built another city in the forest after they were driven out of their city. So they must have kept going, basically. The Inca king was held captive by Pizarro and gold was raised to pay the ransom. But Pizarro had the king killed before receiving the payment. Doesn't seem like a great plan, but whatever. He doesn't seem like a very smart person either. So no. Well, and I don't think he let them know that he had killed the king. He was so like, hey, give me that money and you get your king back. But he already killed the king. Right. Yeah. Bingham wanted to find that gold and devoted more than a year to his quest. Then in July 1911, Bingham thought he'd found the mythical city. As he approached the ghost city that would be called Machu Picchu, he was convinced that his search had paid off. He found temples, but no hoard of treasure. He was sure he'd found the last capital of the Inca. Bingham was celebrated for his discovery, but he was wrong. Machu (laughs) Picchu. I mean, it's still a pretty big discovery, but it's not the last city of the Incas. Because Machu Picchu was not the last capital of the Inca. What was needed was for other men of courage to pick up where Bingham left off. I don't know that you need to have courage to do that do you i don't know if you're tromping through the jungle i guess some level of courage they do have big bugs yeah big bugs it's not safe lots of bugs there are lots of bugs everywhere (laughs) enter professor edmundo guillen of the San Marcos University of Lima, Peru, an Inca historian. On June 24, 1976, Guillen's work would make headlines around the world, and the In Search of Cameras would be there to record his remarkable discovery. Whoa. Whoa. I think the In Search of Cameras might be there to record the reenactment of his discovery, but... Yeah, I kind of suspect that is true, because... Yeah. yeah. Guillen, with 10 colleagues from Peru and Poland, set out on a great adventure on horseback. 
His mission was to recapture a place and a moment in history, and if possible, set the record straight on the final chapter of the Inca Empire in the lost city of Vilcabamba. Vilcabamba! It's very fun to say. A popular belief is that Pizarro's murder of the Inca king Atahualpa immediately brought the Incan Empire to its knees. Guillen thinks the murder was just the beginning of the end. And then we see the party trekking up the hills on their horses on what looks like a very difficult path that winds up through the mountains. It does not look like an easy journey for the horses or for them. We're told this discovery is the result of years of planning and research and a little luck. In the Spanish archives at Seville, Guillen discovered letters written by soldiers that were sent to battle the Inca. They described Vilcabamba to a T. Vilcabamba! Along a river that's not on any map, Guillen and his party are intrigued by what seems to be a cave entrance. They discover that it's a crypt, its entrance hidden by tons of debris. Guillen believes it may be the grave of an important person, perhaps a member of Incan royalty. The location suggests their quest is not far off. They will return later to excavate the site. And then we see them walking through the jungle and they're beating back branches as they go. And then they find it. Vilcabamba at last. Vilcabamba! Yay! They arrive at 10 a.m. on June 24th, 1976. 403 years since the soldiers of Spain sacked this city. They find the signature Incan masonry and building style open to the sky. The Incas' retreat was sparked by the arrival of the Spaniards, but the glory was real. Even as they fought the Spaniards for control of their valleys, they had time to build glorious mountain retreats like Machu Picchu. Which seems kind of crazy when you think about it. Yeah, it's pretty wild to think about how they were like forced into the jungle, and yet they were still able to erect like these huge cities and structures while they were also fighting off the Spanish. Yeah, or at least trying to hide from them. Yeah. Guillen believes he has at last discovered the real thing, larger by far than Machu Picchu. Using records left by two friars who had visited the city, Guillen maps the layout of Vilcabamba in his mind. Vilcabamba! He finds roofing tiles that are evidence the city was built late in the Incan imperial era. They originally used thatch, the Spanish introduced tile. There is only time for a short survey of this discovery. Later, others will come to assist with a detailed excavation to piece together the last years of Inca greatness. They find a lot of evidence to help date the construction of the city. Everything seems to have been built around the same time, which Guillen thinks is evidence that the city was hastily built as a final retreat from the encroaching Spanish soldiers. Yet the city's waterworks are as impressive as any in Cusco. After 400 years, they still work. And Nimoy does say Cusco here, so no R's. <laughs> so. The city was well-planned and could have withstood a long siege. There was a Temple of the Sun, as grand as any at Machu Picchu. Guillen finds evidence that it was once faced with solid gold. Ooh. 
The placement of stones aided the Inca in studying the stars. Like everything else Gian has learned about the Inca, Vilcabamba will probably raise as many questions as it answers. Vilcabamba! But it puts the end of the Inca Empire in a different light. They did not give up their empire lightly, and he estimates their final struggle lasted some 40 years. The party raises a flag and sings an anthem at Vilcabamba. After more than 400 years, Gian is reclaiming Vilcabamba in the name of the Incan people. And then they chant, Viva Vilcabamba! Viva Peru! Yeah, and I was going to say Vilcabamba that many times in a row, so that would be annoying. Probably already yeah. is, so. <laughs> Vilcabamba! And then it's commercial, and we yeah. come back, and we get narration by Leonard Nimoy. When Edmundo Guillen marched into Vilcabamba, the gold was gone. He believes the Inca may have dumped it in one of the dozens of nearby lakes to prevent it from falling into Spanish hands. But Guillen discovered a treasure nevertheless. His was a treasure of satisfaction and achievement. The treasure of writing a new chapter to the history of a proud and brilliant people called the Inca. Which is cool, but also sounds like the real prize is whatever, not like getting an award or money or anything. It's just that, <laughs> that good feeling inside. Well, I mean, he True, actually cares more like, about uh, the history, but yeah, it would have been nice if they also got some gold. Yeah. yeah. Within weeks, Guillen's discovery would make headlines throughout South America and the world. Ahead lay many months of hard work, excavating the ruins of Vicabamba, seeking clues to other unresolved mysteries about the Inca. For now, Guillen could rest secure in the knowledge that he made answers possible dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Ooh, yay. it's the end yep yep so they found the lost city of the inca yay they did not find inca treasure unless the real treasure is finding the history or they hit it back later for it. <laughs> I mean, maybe, although the insertion cameras did not shine on any gold. I did not see any gold. As I said, I'm not sure the insertion cameras were there for, like, the original. Mm -hmm. Their behavior when they find the site seems a little. (laughs) A little. Especially the one dude with a pickaxe who is, like, cleaning the grout, basically, in one of the doorways. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, if you just found this, you would not be doing that because, like, you need to be, like, you know. Yeah. (laughs) so anyway yep yep i have to say i don't know about you i've heard of machu picchu i've never heard of vicabamba yeah i hadn't either so i don't know i think it's still a thriving city is what i read but that might be a different vicabamba i would think so because this one is like it's too thriving yeah, well, I think it might be near this. I don't know. Anyway, oh. I don't know anything about geography. Um, but yeah, I don't. It's not a discovery. I do you know much about much history? About. Mm, not sorry, I was going with the song. Oh, not Peruvian history. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, I get it. Geography, yes, we got it. Okay, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> a little slow on the uptake, but I got it eventually. I'm pretty sure I only know that song from watching Witness, but I could be wrong. 
<laughs> yeah. Anyway. So I was trying to look stuff up for this episode. There wasn't very much to look up, to be honest. Only tangentially related. But while I was searching, I did learn that there's a game called Ink and Gold, which was co-designed by Alan R. Moon, who is the creator of Ticket to Ride, which is a really fun game. I own Ticket to Ride. I love it. I think it's super great. So when I heard about Ink and Gold, I was like, oh, I want to play that. It's a press roulette card game where you collect gems and face dangers. It sounds really fun. So I would totally play that. But you need like three to five people. So if anyone mm-hmm. wants to play Ink and Gold, hit me up. We'll find a way to make it happen. Yeah, I do wonder because I'm not sure that Inkin is the correct term. I think it's it's probably not. Yeah. yeah. But that's what the game's yeah, called. I think it's like I think the plural is Inca. The possessive is Inca. Like anything is, I think it's all just Inca. It's one of those mm-hmm. weird words where I shouldn't say weird, but you know what I mean? It's like the word has like, it never changes properties. Right. Know, it doesn't need to be pluralized or yeah. possessive. Yeah. I mean, this episode literally was like in search of technically, like we're going in search of a lost city. Like, I mean, that's yep, kind of, that was. kind of ticks the box on what this show is about, but it was also kind of boring. So at least for me, Duncan on Bingham was like the biggest highlight honestly so i didn't think it was boring i just don't have much to add i think is what it comes down to like Mm. it's fascinating that they found this place and some of their discoveries sound really great but yeah there's not a lot to kind of say about it it's actually kind of a good episode for a podcast in a way because i actually i don't think i actually watched this episode i think i just listened to it for the most part because there's not a lot of visuals you need Honestly, so um, obviously I did see some things like the dude like scraping the grout of the temple with his pickaxe, <laughs> but and Nimoy's very colorful. And very, that I could not. Sorry, when I was like, because I was trying to get ahead and I was like, I'm gonna watch it. I was in the zone. I was doing a bunch of stuff and I'm like, I'm just gonna watch all these episodes. And I started watching that and actually, and then I stopped because you and I then started a text thread about that purple jacket. <laughs> And then I got distracted and didn't finish watching the episode until just recently. So, like, we started talking about it, like, two weeks ago, and I just barely finished watching it today. So, watch it this morning. Oh, no. <laughs> Mostly Sorry. watched it this morning. Listened to it a lot. So, the other thing that I did see that I highly doubt was real was the live mummy unwrapping. I really doubt that was a live mummy unwrapping. No, I'm sure that was a recreation. Yeah. yeah. Which, in either case, I'm not really happy they showed that because, like, without consent, that's not really something you should be doing. And I'm pretty damn sure that consent is just not possible in a case like this. They probably should not have done that. Yeah. Of course, I'm also one of those people who are like, when I die, you can just throw me in the woods and let bears eat me. I don't care about my body. But I realize that that's not the case for everyone. And so for other people, that is a very important thing. And, you know. Yeah. So. And I'm sure I say throw my body in the woods and let bears eat me. But I'm sure that, you know, any loved ones I have would probably not be cool about maybe that being on television, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, because that because there's still that visual of like, this is a person. I realize we're talking about a mummy that's thousands of years old or at least hundreds hundreds, at this point. So but still. Yeah. Yep. But hey, they found Bookabamba. Yay. Bookabamba. Very cool. And Hiram Bingham is the third, by the way. There's a link in the show notes for him. But apparently when I tried to find him, it was all like 
which one? There's a bunch of them. So you wouldn't think a bunch of people <laughs> wouldn't be named Hiram Bingham, but apparently there are. So he's the third, which only leads more to like, he's probably a dick. And it seems like he actually probably was. So yeah. <laughs> but every picture you see him, he just got that look of like, you knew he grew up super rich and he's got that little yeah. smile of like, hmm. Here's me at my desk. Here's me doing. Yeah, you're just like mm. he did serve. Well, I don't know how much he served in World War One. He was in charge of training in France for the Air Corps. Okay. I don't know what combat he had, and I don't know where the fronts were and where the place he was in France as compared to the war. But I mean, he did. He was in World towards the end. It's like he joined like in the sixteens or something like that, and then you know, I mean, America joined late anyway, so. Right. But yeah. So I mean he was in World War One. So it wasn't like he, you know, dodged the military or the war or something. So that's cool. But yeah. he was also rich, so he may have been like, I'm in the military, but I'm not gonna be near where there's fighting possibly. So I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I don't either. I don't need to spend the whole episode talking about him. He's like I said, he's probably dick. So yeah. We should be talking about Edmundo Guillen because he's reclaiming the culture so that and they mentioned this in the episode so that the last chapter of the Inca is not written by the Spanish but it can be written by someone because he has you know he's descended from the Inca Mm -hmm. well also so they can know the truth it's not just that the Spanish defeated them and they were ran into the jungle and end of story it's like they actually continue to thrive and build these cities yeah because they talk about like the stuff he found in Seville was written by the friars who had visited the city and they were not nice because they hated the Inca because they didn't worship God. They worshiped a sun God and they were like, Oh, they're pagan. And so they just wrote bad stuff mm-hmm. about them all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. So you weren't getting, you know, a non-biased description of what was happening. <laughs> not so, at all. <laughs> yeah. But yep. That's Inca treasure. I mean, I guess there is no Inca treasure unless the treasure is knowledge. Yep. The real treasure is the knowledge we learn along the way. The more you know. You can see that star traveling across the screen with a little rainbow. Mm -hmm. That's it. All right. Well, goodbye. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. And in case you're wondering, Locke, who you normally hear in these episodes, but we haven't heard yet, so fingers crossed, Locke is the tuxedo in Orange Tuxedo Studios. Billy, who just looks on and says, like, Locke, you're embarrassing us. He's the orange. Mm-hmm. He's my little orange creamsicle guy who is currently yep. sleeping on the couch kitchen, putting a big old dent in it because it's better than Which we tried tree. to call it, like, orange Tuxicle at one point because the creamsicle thing, but it sounded too close to testicles, and so we said not to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just decided not to go there. Yeah, we did it once, and my wife listened to it, and she was like, "That sounds like testicles," and I was like, "Okay, gotta fix that." All right, so yeah. Speaking of episode production design and editing, is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is "Dark Science" by David Hillowitz, and the truth is what we make of it by the Agrarians. I might run out of theme song for these credits, but oh well. This is where you can find our X-Files episodes and our most of our X-Files adjacent episodes that are bonus and they color television and film. That is X-Files adjacent. If you like them, listen to them and then tell friends to listen to them so we have more listeners. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we go in search of the magic of Stonehenge. Magic. We can say magic. 
boom, there. You get all the tick marks. And together, Yay. we're going to try and figure out if, if the, the truth, truth is still out there. there. The truth is what we make of it. So like I'm sitting here in my pajamas like a slob and no one is here to be offended by it. So it's great. I'm in my nightshirt. I'm telling I've embraced it. I'm just all Dean all the time now, <laughs> just in my nightshirt. Just in my God, nice, I love like that Dean hug. Winchester changed your life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean Dean West, I don't I don't know that Dean Winchester has ever changed my life. Castiel is fucking great though. I don't know that he's the reason, but it just didn't. It's just a coincidence. <laughs> it is, of like that is, is something that though. exists. So. Oh God! All right, let's get through this. Good Lord! All right, okay. let's embrace the crazy energy, but let's get through it. All right, she's Tori, and he's Nick. Oh, hey! Do you want to do? We got the last two episodes this season. How I did my own special opening on the UFO episode. Do you want to do one at some point? Do you want to do one today? I don't know or... if I have one. Okay. Because I was I just could. like, hello, I'm Nick and my co-host <laughs> Tori and today we'll be discussing. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was just, I realized like I should allow you to be a weirdo if you want to be a weirdo. So <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm a weirdo on this podcast all the time. I'm, I'm sure okay. it's fine. I think I probably get enough weird in there. And then okay. I have a whole other podcast where I just giggle about vampires for an hour and we're going to put that out. So... Yeah. Hey, you know what? I can't. I, I got was, enough I was, weird. I was coming up with a giant list of things that IWTV could stand for. <laughs> My little ongoing thing. It's it's and, so bad. It's like when people try and say question of the day and then they just do a Q, you know, QOTD and I just go queen of the damned. So I'm like, My brain yeah. is broken. My brain is but broken you, forever. You know what else it would be? <laughs> I want to vampire. <laughs> Which is what Daniel meant to call the book, and they changed it at the publishing company. They're like, "No, sorry, buddy, we're gonna we're gonna change this." That's that's why yeah. it's called. If that. we ever have a crossover event, we can just call it "I Want the Vampire." <laughs> oh yeah, we should totally do like the Forever Night TV movie or something. Oh yeah. <clears throat> okay. All right. Or if you guys ever want to do the um the original. 
uh, Salem's Lot TV movie. Yeah, which we might have to because the 2004 one is a disaster. <laughs> it's a hot mess.